give everybody a chance to find where they are. 51A, Amar Rabbi Zera, Amar Rabbi Abahu. I read the different part. Never mind. Okay. So, last time, which was two weeks ago, we dealt with this asparagus, if you recall. Okay, and what's it good for, and your bowels, and all those kind of things, is the medicinal refuah kind of thing that deals with it. And we had this resh mem tet, tough, and lamad ayin tet, what it's good for uh, from there. And then we had uh, Rabbi Ishmael ben Elisha coming and saying, he, an angel came to him and told him, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, uh, etc. Um, and that's kind of where we ended up. We're going to continue in the kind of the same framework, but this time having to do with the, what we'll call kos shel bracha. A kos shel bracha is the, is the way the Talmud takes it, is the uh, kos of yayin, the cup of wine that's used for berkat hamazon. That's the bracha. So it's not necessarily kiddush. Okay, as you know, we've already had before that if it's possible, you say berkat hamazon on a yayin. You'll all do that next week. We fill the third cup of wine and say berkat hamazon alayayin. It's exactly what you do, and you finish berkat hamazon with borei priyagafin and drink from the third cup. Here's an that's a perfect example. We clearly do it. We all know it's sheva brachot. But many times, if it's possible, that became the Hidur Mitzvah, the most beautiful way of doing it, of doing Birkat Amazon al Hayayin and saying the Bracha at the end. So they're now going to define what, what, what should be the framework of that cup, of the wine, how you should hold it, what you should do with it, etc. And some of that stuff you'll see kind of parallels itself the way we do Kiddush as well. Uh, from there, they'll go into a little bit more of um, dealing with the cup of wine itself, and eventually we'll get to we may get to it today. Hold very interesting inyan, which I will do a little bit of a tangent on, and do some personality study of one of the people in, in the Talmudic uh, uh, involvement in this case. Okay, so. We're at the Dalit or Nunan of Aleph Amud Aleph 51A Amar Rabbi Zer. But you have it in their individual books. Anybody need help? We're good. Okay. All right. Somebody want to take it today? Uh, Nessie, you want to take no. it? Okay. Amar Rabbi. No, no, Nessie, you did last week, sir. Right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Rabbi. Um, okay. Thank you. Okay. Fran, you want to take it? Sure. So they had this tradition. Ten things were stated about koshel bracha. Okay, this is what the tradition was. What, what, what are those things? Hadacha, lahadiach, really means good washing. All right. It's so it boiling. has to be washed well. It's boiling. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. The dishwasher. What, what's the dishwasher called? There you go. Okay. Okay. We'll do each one separately. Stifa is really to be washed with cold water, just to rinse. To rinse. The stuff. How do you say to wash dishes? The stuff kelim, 
Okay, this all plays into modern Hebrew. Chai. What's chai? We've had this before. A lie, but what does it mean with regard to wine? Uh, pure. Pure, meaning? Undiluted. Undiluted, no water. Okay, remember, concentrate. Page 223. Umale. Okay, umale, kosmale. It's important to have a kosmale. The the wine should be up to the top, and if it's not, it's known as pagum, okay, which means deficient. So, can you, if you have a cup, what do you do at the seder to make sure it's malay? You keep filling, even though there's wine left in there. That's known as pagum. It's not. It's deficient. It's not a full cup of wine. You add wine or grape juice, whatever you're using, to each of the cups. Deliberately, so it'll be malay. So it plays off into Kiddush, it plays off into the way we do the uh, 2.23. Okay, so. Next two. Okay, la'ater means to put on like a headdress of sorts. La'ater means to decorate. We don't know exactly what that is, it'll come to it. Something about the same. Okay, the, the, the Rashi nobody explains it at this point. They have a they have a little bit of explanation in the Talmud a little bit later. You take the cup with both of your hands, and you eventually hold it in your right hand, and you hold it above the ground at least a tefach. What's a tefach? A hand's breadth. Right? Why? I mean, that's pretty simple for us. Why would you even raise that? No, no, it's tefach. Tefach is a, is a handbreadth. Okay. Why? Why would this? We do it all the time. Of course, it's a tefach. But they were sitting on the ground. Thank you. They were sitting on the ground. They were sitting on the ground. How did you eat in Roman times? I'll tell you. <laughs> did a whole restaurant around that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the triclinium, okay? But some of the time they sat at the ground, right? Right at the ground. So you had to hold it up a little higher. We'll come to that again. Hold that. Hold that thought. Okay, and you actually look at it. So some of you may remember a number of years, it's probably 20 years ago. Shalom Paul was our scholar in residence. Mm -hmm. uh, he was here, I think, the United Synagogue scholar. Mm -hmm. He was. All right, and he spoke about Kiddush and the cup of wine and holding the cup of wine and looking at it and doing everything. And it didn't have to do with his topic. And it was he actually went on for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. I recall it. So it's amazing. I remember these things. Uh, for those who didn't get scheduled, I'll give it to you after. It's just reminding. Okay, um, and I kind of wondered because it didn't wasn't related to what he was supposed to talk about he told me later he left his notes at home and did kind of made this <laughs> <laughs> telling details out of school but it's so long ago and Shalom was a great performer and a great scholar so those of you who remember him was just a great scholar but a performer in his own right so it didn't matter what he said people enjoyed it and we learned from it but it is what I said but I remember directly holding it with the right hand underneath and with the 
What's that guy doing? He was supposed to. This is a biblical scholar, for God's sakes, right? He forgot his notes. So yeah, he did it on the spot. Okay. And Yeshomrim. What's the shager? Means to send. Okay. You literally give it to the people in your household as a matana, as a gift. So let, let's just look at the, these things. So first of all, the question is, why does it matter? It matters because the drinking of wine and using it for bracha was very important again. Wine was the concept that was used to bless the day. Okay, so wine itself is very important as a liquid, and the way it's treated is even more important. And again, just when you think of it, again, in our lifetime, what has happened to wine production and the sense of how. Um, more stringent people are today than they used to be. Mivushal, none of us ever grew up with Mivushal, okay? And, and all those kind of things that now become, because of wine, being that sacred entity. Okay? It was clearly in ancient times, but it is even today in that realm. So people treat it that way. So what it's saying here is you have to treat it with certain amount of respect. Now, why are they worried about the, the Hadacha and the Shtifa? It may be issues of purity. Okay, Tuma and Torah. It may be issues of hygiene. Okay, okay. Malay clearly is something with kosher bracha should be filled to the top. Okay, I know when I do a wedding, I make sure the wine is to the top in, in the in, for the the glasses. And same thing with um, sheva brachot. Itur and itufu will come back to because those are odd particular uh, phrases. And then you hold it in a certain kind of way. And you, in a sense, look at it. Why would you look at it? It's a sign of respect, concentration. So when you say koshel bracha, but a lot of this also has to do with kiddush, you're supposed to concentrate on what you're saying in that sense. Okay? And mishagro lanche beito, what very, with those of, who, those of you who do even kiddush at home, what do you do after you, you sit down, you, have your, you drink the wine? Very often give it to anche beito. I sit at my, my son-in-law's table when I'm there. There's a whole, you know, the next one is Hadassah, and after Hadassah is me, and after that is the... Oh, we go down the line to the youngest. So the baby now drinks a little a bit, too. It's always grape juice. They don't drink wine. They probably didn't have a glass for everybody. They didn't. Of course they didn't. Okay? But even our case. Okay? You may give it to somebody, to some of your family, or you pour off a little bit to give it to... All relates to the way we do Kiddush today, interestingly enough. Very much so. Okay? And again... Well, there are different customs of Kiddush. Some people stand for Kiddush. Some people sit for Kiddush. My custom is to stand for Kiddush and drink it sitting. This, for Pesach, you have to sit. Because you have to do Asaba. You have to lean. So you can't, you shouldn't drink the wine when you're standing. Okay? So, again, going back, Nessie, why was this all important? Because the nature of wine was so important in ancient times, as I would suggest it is today, and you're using the wine, the Kadesh Shabbat or Mekadesh Israel Vazmanim, or whatever the case may be. It's really the central focus of how we introduce the day uh, in this sacred time. Questions? Okay, so that that's this is a these are customs. Okay. We'll see. We'll see as we go to halacha whether you know plays off into halacha as well. So, 
Now he says seems to suggest four of them are more important than others. We'll see in a moment whether it's only those four or it's specifically those four. Okay, so never mind Ituri too, never mind holding it up, never mind two hands, da -da -da -da. the cup has to be, you know, washed and rinsed. Chai umale. Those are the major things as far as he's concerned. All right, now Hadakha and Shtifa are basically one's using hot water, one's using cold water to a large extent. Okay? And again, what does it mean? Hadakha bifnim the cup itself. Okay? Shtifa, rinse it out on the outside. Okay? So again, think of the way if you were to wash a Kiddush cup. Okay? You would wash the Kiddush to make sure the inside, which has wine left, especially if it's concentrate. It has little sediments or whatever the case may be or things left from the grapes. Okay? You want to make sure that that's done and you wash it. With, and again, washing the cup becomes part of the concept of purity and impurity in its realm as, as well. Okay, so now here you can... If you want to use this? This is a perfect thing for Pesach. Okay? Okay, so, we all say Yitziyat Mitzrayim, but the, there's also, the people read it not as Mitzrayim, as Mitzarim. What are Mitzarim? The straits. The straits. Okay? So, Min HaMetzar Karatiya. From the straits I called upon you. From my difficulties. So, Mitzarim and Mitzrayim play on words. There's a whole thing that you can bring to your Seder. whole thing that you bring to your Seder. And again, it's only the Nikudot, that are, only the vowels that are different. The letters are the same. You can read it whatever way you want. Who, what are the straits from which you have to be freed from? What is liberation in that sense? It's not merely Mitzrayim. It's modern things that people have to be freed from in terms of the straits, the difficulties, the narrows, etc. Does it ever hold you back from doing things that you want to do? What? It may be. It may be society. It may... you... I'm not going to tell you what to discuss at your Pesach table, but that's a perfect one. What is Yitziat Mitzrayim? And what is Yitziat Mitzarim? <laughs> okay, there you go. I mean... It's legit, and it's a very legitimate question in the way you read this, the, the, uh, the Haggadah. Because the whole door of Mitzrayim, how about Mitzarim? Okay, and there you go. So, I don't want to say I didn't give you your Dvar Torah for, for Pesach already. Again, 29 years ago, as you well know, I decided to get to this step. So, that's the way it works for me. You know, just. 29 years ago I decided to get to this spot right before the week of Pesach to give you this Dvar Torah. <laughs> I don't know why you why were puzzled already. I do it all the time. Okay, so if you have a Kosmale, Nodnimlo Nachala, Nachala in this case is not only a, the, the inheritance of this world, but without difficulties, without straits, etc. And then they bring a verse which is Umale Birkat Hashem. Remember, it's a Kosh Shel Bracha. 
Those are plain words. Yam vidarom yarasha. You will be able to have a nachala from every side. So the verse is an odd verse, but they go on to say in the next one, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi. What is it? Okay, not nochel means you get this world and next world. So make sure your cups are filled. You always get somebody around the table who says, "Well, I didn't drink too much." Uh, sorry, you've got to have a kosmale, which means we have to put something new in. If it's not something new, it's not a considered a kosmale, and you really can't do the bracha over it. So it doesn't matter how much they drank. The answer is you have to fill it up once more. That's why the, the Haggadah, any Haggadah you'll use will always say, fill the second cup, third cup, fourth cup. Okay, so itur. Itur means to decorate, to come in a circle, basically. What should you have around the Koshel Bracha? Your students. Your students. In other words, they should be part of your life. They should be part of the uh, the bracha that's that in essence is involved with it. Binatle. Binatle seems to be other cups. Okay, binatle seems to be other cups is the way they take it here. Um, Rashi simply says kosot. Okay, so there should be not only that kos shel bracha but other kosot as well maybe because that's what you pour it into okay many times um, again sitting at my son-in-law's table you know but each each of the kids has their kiddush cup and you pour whatever he you know kid does kiddush and he pours a little bit into each one of the kiddush cups so the kids can drink and not fight as usual <laughs> that's what happens i mean uvechai <laughs> okay and it has to again be Vachai. Okay, that's okay. Again, this is when it's again you're going to do. If you're going, you're going to. If you read in your Haggadah, it'll say not only to fill the cup but limzog, because that's the word. Okay, which again meant what with water. And that's mazgulo kosheni mazgulo. That's all the the, the Mishnah of, uh, in in, in uh, Sakhim. So again, limzog means something here. Here it means chai, actual chai. Me, okay, what's Birchata Aretz? Al Aretz Vial Amazon. Okay? And it seems to suggest that what you actually do it is particularly for that bracha. Al Aretz Vial Amazon. Okay, so, sorry, okay? When, those of you who wear talitot, what do you say? Lehit atef, which means to surround or wrap yourself. Okay? So in this case, he would put some sort of cloak around him. Okay? During, during Birkat Amazon. If any of you have been in traditional communities, Okay, you'll see if you go to weddings and they'll take off the jackets and dance. When it comes time for Birkat Amazon, what do they do? Jacket on, hat on. Kavod. Okay, this is the tuf. This is the, the, the equivalent of the tuf, that they would show the kavod by dressing properly as you do Birkat Amazon and use the kosher bracha.
And that happens all the time. People put back their jackets and, and that kind of thing in traditional communities. And after they schwitz, they put up their hats back on. Okay, he would put some sort of sudar, some sort of kerchief or something over his head. Okay, some sort of, again, some sort of kavod to show that you're doing the kosho bracha and doing birkat amazon. Okay, what's the key word here? What's the key word in the in the biblical phrase? No. Hmm? What? Yedechem, plural. Seu Yedechem. Pick up your hands. Uvarchu Hashem. Okay, so that's the key. that's the key. Yedechem, that two hands are just taking the plural. Where this is from? This is Tehillim. Kuflam Adalad. Okay, and next. Now the, the strong hand is always considered to be the right hand. Okay. Well, again, we've, we've said before that the, this is known as a tour. It's a later. There's a big questions about it. it. Those of you who are lefties, I'm sorry to say, what is it very often called? Sinister. Sinister. Okay. We have may, may have changed. I have two girls who are lefties, so we we, used, we got used to it. But as you well know, when you went to school, probably in your days, there were no things as left side desks. Okay? Or scissors. Or, or servers. Or scissors. Or all those kind of things. My kids have learned, I think, to cut with their right just because those were available. Okay? Left handed thing was considered to be sinister. You, My father, Oliver Shalom, always contended that he changed me from left hand to right hand. I never agreed with him, but I don't know if he's right or wrong. I only do, I do two things left handed, and that's it. Well, I could take no. <laughs> I hold a baseball bat left-handed, and I, okay, and I hold a hockey stick left-handed. Those are two natural things I do left-handed. The rest, everything else, I do right-handed. So, I never. It's always told. Me. What? My father says yes. I don't know. He may have said he changed me. That's my why my writing is so horrible. But I, I, I since I, my right hand is more. Is very dominant for me, so I don't know. You can even see the way I gesture sometimes. Okay, but again, you, there are all kinds of questions of having to do with not tefillin. Tefillin was your weak hand. It's very difficult for me. I can't do put tefillin on my right arm. I'm just not sure I could do it because it, my right arm is. Not, but what what do you do when you hold the lulav and etrog? Uh, there are different opinions on whether you always have to hold it in your right hand or whether you're a lefty, you hold it in your left hand. There are different opinions on that. Okay, uh, Rabbi Lerner used to be a lefty and said he learned that he, he held it in his left hand. So try to explain. I'm holding my left hand, but you're holding it in your right hand, etc. Both he and Rabbi Stein were lefties, so I, I, you know we talked about these kind of things. But there's a big questions with regard to lulav and etrog because it, clearly from the rabbinic sources and up to the present day, the right hand was the dominant and was the normative, and the left hand was the sinister. Okay. Uh, just what it is. I think it's changed as we've looked well, at. They uh, called gauche in French, and that's you were odd, you were gauche. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Just. Same thing. So, no, no, the amin is not surprising. Your right hand is the dominant one. 
יחיא בר אבא אמר רב יוחנן, ראשונים שאלו שמואל מהו? שמואל, שמואל. מהו? Okay, so if you have two hands, what do you use the left hand for? To, to help. To help. To help. That's the question. And the response is? Since Rishonim, I have no, we have no idea what Rishonim are, but early people ask. They didn't give an answer. Therefore... We will do it lechumra, which according to Rashi is that the left hand should not help the right hand. And therefore you hold it in the right hand. Which means it's easier to hold it in two hands. You're going to make it a little more difficult by holding it in the right hand since we don't know. I, there's no reason why. Let's wait till we get the halacha. I will pick up. Where does that come from? Huh? No, not hello. Oh. Not Kiddush. Thank you. Havdalah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one already. <laughs> I mean, that was no. I looked at you. I figured you. You know. Okay. Next. So you don't you keep your concentration there. You don't let your mind stray from there. So that the person will be blessed, Deveitu. Not only you buy it, but the way the rabbis took it, Ishto Zobeto. They give it to your wife. Right, Ishto Zobeto. We're going to come to that in the next one, which is a. a because that's what the next part of the next one is. So let's look back for a moment at um, let's look at uh Tosafot first, which is in the right hand column. Right. Okay, right hand column Tosafot. those of you who have a, it will be in a traditional thing. It says Shtifat Chayomale, top of the so the, the Rishalmi at the end of the parak has three things that you need. Malay, Itur, Amudah. It doesn't have ten and it doesn't have four. Meaning, what does that mean? There were different traditions of what was absolutely necessary. Okay, and Yerushalmi, the Palestinian or the Jerusalem Talmud, had its own tradition, which is not unusual. They weren't all the Babylonian and the Jerusalem are not always in sync. Uh, and clearly here it's included in the Babylonian, but it only had three. Okay? This, if you look at the Yerushalmi and Psachim, there's only three questions. There aren't four questions. And it's, a whole, it's a whole lesson in and of itself. 
Naftali. 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 These are the words. Playing on. Again, this kos shel bracha. What do you need? Sva, which they take as itur. Again, concept of being surrounded. Ratzon has mudach. It should be in good pleasing. It means washed again. Umale, pretty simple. Kimashmo. So that's where they, the Yerushalmi takes it. Okay, Shtifa. Next one. She'ein hakos yafe. What does that mean? <laughs> that it has what in it? Leftover, Leftover things. Okay, and again, there's a sediment. They're the remains of the, perhaps of the anavim of the grapes. It's not. It's it's uh, you know it's unadulterated, etc. That's what it. Why it needs hadacha to be nim. Im hu yafeh. Belav hachi. Shapir dummy. You don't necessarily need it. You you do it because it's better to do it. That's all. Yeah, it should be appropriately again. What are you going to do? You're going to use the the wine to bless God. It should be yafeh. I mean, this isn't simply. It should be polished. This is yafeh in terms of it has to be usable in a, in a particular kind of way. Okay. Um, All right, we'll skip the the iunim because it basically says the, the, whether the four are part of the ten or separate. But I want to look at matz. Then let's turn over to orach halacha. Mashat zarich lekos bracha. Mosgim. So the way the halacha became, kosbracha needs hadacha bifnim and shtifa. Hadacha again is hot water, okay? Shtifa is cold water. Mibachutz u'mikodem shoftim by yayin chai. This is the limzog. You put in concentrated wine or grape, and then put water into it. We don't do that anymore, but that's how they did it in ancient times. Correct? Okay, to take okay, you actually take it from the barrels or whatever it is, and take it straight to the cup. Gidoteha. What until the very top. Shteg what was the what was Jabotinsky's? Shteg Gadotayardain. Both sides of the Jordan. Okay, gadot. Hmm? The edge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mekubalim are the kabbalists because the wine was so important. You should do all ten of them. All ten of them. Not Not 
the love of the mitzvah. You take it with both hands to show the love of the mitzvah. On the next page. So you take it with both hands and hold it with the right without using your left to hold it as well. Keep going. Magbio. Magbio tefach et kosavacha neg magbia tefach me al hamakom shalmadalach venotengo inav. Okay, so you hold it, raise it, and look at it. Daito is to his wife, and we're going to read the, the Rav Nachman next. Okay? So just hold that. So, we're now going to... The next section really intrigued me, and I did some research on it, and I'll share some of that research today. Um, it's a story, a very odd story, um, and it brings forth a woman in the Talmud who's mentioned three times in significant places. It's, it's a very interesting story in its realm. There have been a number of articles actually written on her. I did some research on kind of spending some time on it. I don't know if we'll get to all of that today. Um, but her name is Yalta. Okay? And uh, we're going to see both how she reacts to some of this and maybe actually look at some other uh, Talmudic sources about her, stories about her because um, it relates to this story in particular but it has an interesting thing to play in terms of uh, what I would say is the place of women in Talmudic society in that realm. Rav Nachman, who we're going to read about, is a very significant rabbi in the Babylonian spectrum. And we're also going to read about Ula, who is also very significant. Okay? So, Ula comes to Rav Nachman's house. And this is the story that they tell. The Aleph, okay? Ula, Ikla, Levei, Rav Nachman. Ula came to, or happened to be, was a guest at the house of Rav Nachman. Okay, Karich Rifta. Okay, what do we say? Krichim were? Sandwich. He had a sandwich of bread. I mean, okay, did a mozi. Barich Birkatamazon. And he had to do Birkatamazon. He okay, Rav Nachman, this is Rav Nachman's house. He gave the Kos Shel Bracha, which we're all we've talked about, to Rav Nachman. And basically, what does that mean? The Kavod, he did Bekaramazon, he did it a Kos, he gave it to Rav Nachman. As a sense of Kavod, this was his house after all, a great scholar. What happens next? He said, Lishadar to give, to send, Mar, Mr., with Kavod, Kasa Dirberchata, Kosh Shel Bracha, Liyalta. Who is Yalta? His wife. Okay? So, again, just get the picture. Ula is there, has bread, needs to do Birkat Amazon, do it, does it on the wine. And then gives the wine cup to Rav Nachman, and Rav Nachman says to Ula, "Now please do me a favor, give it to my wife, Yalta." Amar le, hachi amar Rabbi Yochanan, 
אין פרי בטנה של אישה מתברך, אלא מפרי בטנו של איש, שנאמר, וברך פרי בטנך, בטנך. What does Ula say? I don't have to give it to your wife. Why? Because a woman is blessed through her husband. Okay? Look at the words. The only way that a woman's you know, ability to give birth, the ability to, to, to her pre-bitna is, is blessed. Through the, her husband, why? It says, okay, and if that is in the masculine, okay, and not in the feminine, okay. This is this is in, in Devarim where God, where Moses is giving some of the blessings. So what what? Well, let's figure out the story first of all. Yeah, pre now means your children. Fruit of the stomach, fruit of the womb. Mm-hmm. Exactly what it means. So it's not blessed because of the woman, it's blessed because of the man. What, what's he really saying here? What, what, first of all, what is Rav Nachman doing? He's giving kavod to his wife, Yalta. Okay? And what does Ula say? No, no, no. You don't have to. That's the key. You don't have to because I have another memory, I have another saying which says, if I give kavod to the husband, she is blessed as well. Okay? Rav Nachman's house. Ula is the guest. Nachman says, You know, my wife's here. Please give her the kosher brachan. Ula says, No, no, no. I don't have to. Yeah. You know, come on. Don't you know that the way that she's blessed through you? Your, her kavod is you. Okay? Again, you can go biblical times, you know, Noah's wife's name, of course, right? And Manoah's wife's name, and all the rest is, you know, how are you blessed? You're blessed, through, you know. By the way, I hate to put it this way, in the yeshiva world, it's still the same way. How is a woman blessed? Through the lumdus of her husband. Okay, when you want to do a shidduch, what's the most important thing? How learn what yeshiva he goes to? Who's his rebbe? Yeah, it's true. Okay, then she, you know, can she have children and the rest of, because she go to work, but in the world of that, in that world, which yeshiva does go to? Who's his rebbe? Does he have lambdas? So, how is she blessed? Through her husband. Okay, and, and, the, and the strategic thing that's happening in some of these Haredi families is that the women are now going out to work and getting educated. There, the number of them are in high-tech stuff. There are Haredi women's colleges supported by the Jewish agency and by others. And it, I will suggest that it will change Haredi society over a period of time. Okay, As the women become more educated and powerful and the men will, who sit in yeshiva have no technical skills, no education skills beyond yeshiva learning. And some of the men now are going to be quietly to some of these schools too because they've got to keep up, not only Parnassa, but they've got to keep up with their wives. It, it will change Haredi society in its very long term. Okay? You know, as the old story is, you give women education. <laughs> Who started it? You know, all the, you know? It all started with the vote. <laughs> it started with the vote. started before the vote. <laughs> started before the vote. You know, the Haredi started with the women's education. Yeah. <laughs>
not quite the Talmud saying that, but uh, it was Jane Pick Jane Pickus, right? All right, Tanya Nami Hachi, which means we also learn this isn't that important, right? Same thing, right? We just have a Tanya Namahachi means we also learn, meaning there's another phrase. Now, again, let's go back to our seat. Ula has said to her, to, her, to Rav Nachman, I don't have to give it to her, she's not that important, she's blessed through you. What does Yalta do? <laughs> this, is, this is fascinating that Talmud records this, right? Yeah, right. Especially if there's two, two versions and then we go. Mm-hmm. Until now, Yalta was sitting there, paying attention, looking, gazing at her husband, serving the food. I don't know. She, she was listening. Then, kama bezihara, quickly, almost bezirizut. She got up very quickly, and she went up to the wine cellar. Hamar, hamra, his wine. And she destroyed, as such, 400 barrels of wine. Women, I'll tell you. Hmm? Jugs, okay, we'll take jugs. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Okay, All, this, is, this is what she does here. Interesting enough, they, I mean, they talk chaviyot, but I, I get it. All right, so she go. she's obviously a little bit angry. Now, let's go back to where, where is she? In her home. Whose wine is this, presumably? Presumably hers. Who is showing the respect? Her husband. She goes to destroy 400 jars of wine in her own home, presumably put together by her husband. Kind of odd. Kind of odd. She had more than a temper, you know? This is her. It's like somebody hurting themselves. All right? That's what it is. Now, is it attention? They're doing it. Why are they? It's hurting her material things. She can get back at Ula. She got back. She had to get rid of her anger somehow. She destroyed some of her own things. Well, that may be. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> she did. So, what does Rav, now Rav Nachman here clearly heard this? What does he have to do? Uh, why don't you give her another cup? <laughs> All right, let, let's try again. Let, let's go back to the beginning here. You know, let, let's try to do this and, and try to do it properly. Okay, Kolhai, until all of these things, what were they? Okay, so the way he... Uh, Steinzel says it is Kola Khaviyot Dazo Shabrachahi. Bimlotishtemi Kosabrachat Smaya Kolayli Shot Kolayim in a Khaviyot. That all of this wine, all these jugs were used for Koshabracha, that she could really drink all the wine from different places. You know, this doesn't make sense. She sent to him. He said she said he basically said, Look, settle down. If you're not going to drink from this cup, drink from the wine there. That's so horrible. And she sends him some sort of code words, okay, which basically says, me, me, from going back, 
There are words. Umismartute. What is smartut? A rag. And that's really what it was then. Yotzin Kalme seems to be what they take as kinim, which are lice. There you go again. See? Because of Pesach's coming. See, Karen? There's your other word today, too. So, um, you know, I don't know what she's talking about. She sends to him, the hell with you. I mean, it's basically what she says. You know, don't, don't give me that I can drink from that, okay? It seems to the way they the Steinsaltz take it. If you'll look at Steinsaltz, he says, "Mina machsirim ba'ayarot." When the people who go back and forth from places, who was Ula, who goes from Babel into Eretz Yisrael back and forth, he was one of these people who brought traditions from both. Yotzim devarim, words come out. Umina smart tutim, and from the rags come out lice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's a shmata. It's a good way to put it. Okay, he's a he's a good shmata. Wow, what a story. Okay, so what a story. Um, the, 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 you know, and, and so we I decided to spend a little bit of time um, who to see who this Yalta was. So in the couple minutes we have remaining we'll start the, the study and I'll try to pick it up in a couple weeks too you can do your own you want to find her you simply go on and yeah, Google I actually went to the Encyclopedia Judaica so uh, before I googled as such but I did Google as well because it's pretty easy so let's do let's finish off our stuff here first I'll give you something else from the Encyclopedia Judaica and then we'll continue with it next time too because she's a fascinating person and there have been some interesting lectures uh, given on her as a feminist what what was her role here who was she that all of a sudden she got up and basically smashed things insulted Ula and that's it so she was the daughter of the yeah, let's see so Yalta let's read Yalta in the right hand column some of you want to do me a favor and close the door there before they yell at each other but it's a preschool Seder so so she was the the, the Exilarch's daughter, meaning she uh, had a certain level of. Remember, we talked about the Exilarch. Okay, the Exilarch was somebody like the patriarch, except in Babylonia, wealth, power, influence. If you grew up in the Exilarch's house, you were used to certain kinds of things. Like you, okay. <laughs> So there are traditions, there are different stories about her and her discussions with other Chachamim in that place. What does that mean? She was very strong in her opinions. And self-important in her own eyes. Okay? He's doing an analysis here of who she was. Ah, finish up there. If we remember, in many cases, 
the strength of Rav Nachman was an Av Beitin, head of the rabbinic court, and a Dayan. He was a judge. And he had the strength behind him of the Rosh Gola, Talui Benisuin, meaning he married well. Okay, this is Jared Kushner now. <laughs> you married well, and you know. <laughs> And you're in the inner circle. So he was given. This was his son-in-law. He made him a Dayan. Made him a. Doesn't mean Rav Nachman wasn't smart. Doesn't mean he wasn't capable. But he was in the inner circle. So he showed him a little bit of favor. Now we understand a little more why she was insulted. That she is unimportant. Why is Rav Nachman so important? He may have a scholarship, but where did he get to be where he is? You know? So is it Jared better be careful, right? <laughs> she was permitted certain things because she was the Nazi's daughter. She right. And she also seems to have asked many questions, learned questions to show that she knew Torah as well. Alright, what is Kasnit? She was filled with anger, Kaas. To made it into a noun. Because she was quick to anger in Malay Hargashot Kavod, even though she was had a great deal of self-importance, yeah. if many times she turned to the rabbis and asked questions. And she tried to help them when things were difficult. So she understood her limits in terms of knowledge, but she had a sense of self. She grew up in pride and privilege. She expected that. And what is Ula basically doing? Telling you, you're not important, your husband's important. Umefuneket. What's Mefuneket? Spoiled. A Yalta, what is a Yalta? Not a Yenta, but a Yalta. So if you want to call somebody spoiled and grew up and served with privileges, you call her a Yalta. And some say that the word, the name itself, is really very different. Ayelta. Mm-hmm. Ayelta. Then it's a sure of, of a name of Ayelta. The Mandaite. I don't know. I, I don't know what language. Any but Mandaite. I don't know what language is. Aramaic. Okay. Okay. So you get a little bit of Yalta, right? This comes from the second edition of the Encyclopedia Judaica. So it shows you I can look beyond Google. There, Karen. I don't want to go and say anything. You all took out your phones and looked at it. So I teach at Spurtis now, and I'd say something, and they check me right away on Google. You know, it's amazing, great stuff. Oh, but Rabbi, this one. <laughs> Thankfully, you can't do that during the middle of my sermon. Otherwise, it's really different. You know, thank God we, you know, there's certain limits in the conservative synagogue. Yeah.
But I can't help but thinking of who wrote that description of her and, and how Wula probably wasn't the first one who pulled this on Let's. Her. Okay, this time we have it in English, so thank you, Fran. You did great. Somebody want to read the English? It's English, guys. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Gee, I'll, uh, Yalta, wife of Nachman and daughter of the Exler. There you go. Okay, so you already have sources. When Nachman entertained prominent scholars, he would ask them to send her their greetings. On one occasion, he asked Rob Judah, a prominent contemporary, who was visiting him on a legal matter, to send her greetings. Judah objected, however, quoting successive statements in the name of Samuel as to the impropriety of having association. Ah, so the, here we go back to the same kind of concept, right? So he wanted to send, just, just say hello to my wife. You know, it's not good to speak to women. Never know where it's going to lead. It may lead to mixed dancing. <laughs> Yalta thereupon sent a message to her husband. Settle his case before he makes you appear like an ignoramus. Oh, okay. In other words, who's she insulting? Her husband. No, she's not insulting her husband. Rub Judah. Okay, so get him out of there before he tries to do. Look what he's doing to me. He's going to try to do the same thing to you. That's who he is. On another occasion, when her husband was entertaining Ula, ah, sound familiar. and the latter stubbornly refused to send her any wine of the cup over which he had recited a blessing, she reportedly broke reportedly broke 400 jars of wine in her anger. Okay, we'll come back to what that is next time, to break the wine in, symbolically. She also apparently had a sharp tongue and commented on his refusal, gossip comes from peddlers and vermin from rags. That is, what can you expect from a man like that? Okay, so again, she's insulting the messenger in both cases. When dissatisfied with the ruling of one rabbi, she appealed to another. Oh my God. Oh, my God. oh Lord, a second opinion. I can't believe this. Nobody ever does that. Apparently concealing from him the fact that she had already consulted. Oh. You know, he asked for the second opinion. Is it? But... Okay. Oh, but I did, the other rabbi said, "Whoops, right? Whoops." Yeah. But then you get a third rabbi to decide between the two. Yeah, that's the way to do it, right? No, then you look on Google and you find out what the real answer is. She once said to her husband, "The Torah has permitted something of a similar taste for everything that it has forbidden. I would like to eat meat and milk." Whereupon he told the butcher to give her roasted udder. <laughs> you can have that for Pesach if you'd like. All right? A fascinating woman. Yeah. Okay? So actually, this time I did go on, I went on to Safari and other places to look, see where there is Yalta and those kind of things. I took out a couple of um, articles and those kind of things. So we'll continue. I thought it would be interesting to consider continue a little bit with the Yalta woman. Um, it shows you a little bit of the. Uh, the, the rough side, not only the feminine, but of, uh, of the scholars as well. So thank you, Fran. Those who didn't get the schedule will meet the 25th. Okay, so they're up here. Let me wish you all a Chag Kasher Make sure you saw your Hamids, and we'll see you soon.